Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say mRNO to mRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DAILYWIRE. Today on The Matt Wall Show, Joe Biden has been, as the media would say if it was a Republican, credibly accused of sexual assault. The media and the Me Too movement have shown zero interest in this story. Uh, They're just not interested at all. Their their, their plan is to ignore it. But Joe Biden is, unfortunately for him, on the record saying that we should believe women in these situations. We should just believe them. So the question is, shouldn't we hold Joe Biden to his own standard? That's what we'll talk about today. Also, five headlines, including the media celebrating, celebrating over the fact that the U.S. has supposedly now the most coronavirus cases of any country in the world. But uh, there's a big problem with that statistic, and we'll discuss that. And today we cancel a police department in the U.K. that is uh, essentially trying to turn Black Mirror into a real-life thing. And it's, it's pretty creepy. We'll talk about that coming up. So all of that on the way. But first, a quick word from Liquid IV. You know, um, this is, I, I, I would say, to, to put it mildly, this is not a good time to let your body get dehydrated. I think you need to stay healthy. And that's just in general across the board, not, not just in these times, but uh, in general, you know, to staying hydrated, making sure that really, really the goal is you don't want to get to a point in the day where you're really thirsty because that means you're already in the process of being dehydrated. Liquid IV, cell, cellular transport technology, delivers an optional um, ratio of nutrients for more efficient uptake uh, and probably means optimal, probably optimal ratio. Either way, uh, enhanced rapid absorption in the bloodstream gives you a lasting energy boost and it does that very fast. Uh, it powers your mornings, fuels long days at work. I, you know, what I'll do is I'll start the morning with it and, uh, and I found that it's, it's even better, you know, getting really well hydrated is even, it's, it's, it's much better than coffee because coffee also dehydrates you. Liquid IV is the fastest growing wellness brand and you can find them everywhere this, these days. Find Liquid IV's hydration multiplier at your local Costco. You could find it at Whole Foods, um, all the places that are still open, by the way, you can find them there. And that's, uh, and I, you know, I could not personally recommend it enough. Uh, and it's as I've been, you know, using the Liquid IV, I've been staying more hydrated, and I really feel the difference as well. You can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Walsh at checkout. Uh, that's 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Just go to liquidiv, liquidiv.com, enter code Walsh and save 25% off and get better hydration, better energy. That's liquidiv.com, promo code Walsh. Don't wait. Start fueling your adventures today. Okay, let's get uh, right into this. A woman by the name of Tara Reid alleges that she was sexually assaulted by Joe Biden back in 1993. Reid worked for Biden when he was a senator. 
uh, back in 93 for about nine months, apparently. Now, a little bit of background. She says, and this is entirely consistent with, with what we've seen and what we've heard from other women. She says that before we even get to the assault, uh, she says that he was very handsy, very inappropriate in, in, in the workplace with the way that he, 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 what he dealt with, especially women. He would often grab women, grope them, and so on. Uh, she says that she did report him officially through the normal chain of command for sexual harassment, not for the assault, but she reported the harassment back way back when. Um, and now, so that's, that's, that's the background of sort of the, the general environment in the workplace. Now, when we get to the sexual assault, I think for that, rather than me describing it, we will let uh, Tara Reid, in her own words, describe it. She was on the Katie Helper show a couple days ago, talking about describing her assault. I'm going to play it for you now. A, uh, a warning, it is a little bit graphic, so just a fair warning ahead of time, especially if you have kids in the room, maybe you want to listen to this later. But uh, here's Tara Reid talking about the alleged assault that she suffered at the hands of Joe Biden. He just said, hey, come here, Tara. And then I, I handed him the thing and he greeted me. He remembered my name. And then it, we were alone and it was the strangest thing. There was no like exchange, really. He just had me up against the wall. And um, I was wearing like a skirt and, you know, business skirt, but I wasn't wearing stockings. It was kind of a hot day that day. And I was wearing heels. And I remember my legs had been hurting from the marble, you know, of the Capitol, mm-hmm. like walking. And I, so I remember that kind of stuff. I remember like that. And it was kind of an unusually warm day. And I remember I was wearing a blouse and he just had me up against the wall and the wall was cold. And I remember he, it happened all at once. The gym bag, I don't know where it went. I handed it to him, it was gone. And then his hands were on me and underneath my clothes. And, um, yeah. And then he went, oh, he went down my skirt, but then up inside it. And he, uh, penetrated me with his fingers, whatever. And, um, I, uh, he was kissing me at the same time and he was saying something to me. He said several things and I can't remember everything he said. I remember a couple of things. I remember him saying, first before like as he was doing it do you want to go somewhere else and then him saying to me when I pulled away he um got finished doing what he was doing and I kind of was pulled back and he said he said come on man I heard you liked me now there are no witnesses to this uh she did apparently though tell her brother uh and and her friend so she told two people she says the intercept which is a different media outlet they spoke with the brother and the friend, and, and both of those people confirmed that she reported the assault to them back when it allegedly happened. Beyond, beyond that, there's no evidence. So what should we do about this? Th- there are aspects of it that do make it credible on its own terms, I think. We know that Biden does get handsy with women. We know that. We've seen it ourselves with our own eyes. We know that he's been accused of inappropriate conduct in the past and um, from other women. And again, we've seen it ourselves. She says she reported harassment back in 1993. She also says that she told two people about the assault, the alleged assault, when it happened, and they confirm it. Now, that's pretty significant because Ford, Christine Ford, with Kavanaugh, she didn't have that. She didn't have anyone come out and say, oh, yeah, you know, she told me about this when it happened back 30 years ago. 
In fact, it was the opposite. She had people come out and say, I knew her, I was her best friend, uh, and she never told me a damn thing about this. Now, does it mean that an accusation is true just because a woman told her friend about it back when it supposedly happened? No, but it does seem to rule out the possibility that this was cooked up in the spur of the moment recently as a way to get attention or something during a political campaign uh, or as a way to destroy a political foe. Because, because then why, why would she have invented it, the story 26, 27 years ago, only to tell two people and then come forward all these years later? It doesn't seem like what you would do if you were just making something up for political reasons or uh, in order to sue somebody and get money. You know, all, all of the motivations that I think do sometimes lead people to inventing uh, false allegations. Now, again, does that mean that it really happened? No, it doesn't mean that necessarily. We don't know what happened. There should be a presumption of innocence. At least, I believe in a presumption of innocence. Um, it, you know, and 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 I'll, I'll stop there for a minute because we know that the court of public opinion doesn't necessarily function. Well, we know it doesn't function like the court of law and shouldn't always function like a court of law. I mean, for example, um, I, I have no problem sitting here and saying, I think that O.J. Simpson is guilty of double murder. I, I absolutely believe that, 100%. Uh, he was found you know, not guilty in a court of law. So a court of law has to operate by certain, certain rules, certain laws that are necessary but that doesn't mean that we as individuals can't just use our common sense and look at a situation and say, yeah, I think he did it, even if he was found not guilty. Uh, but when we have a, a circumstance like this, an accusation years later, decades later, where there's no real evidence at all, um, then what do you do? Then I think you do. Even the court of public opinion should most of the time function like a court of law. And we say, well, look, all we can do is you know, we, I guess we have to get the benefit of the doubt to the accused in this case because there's no evidence. But the problem, though, for Biden is that someone once said, actually very recently said, and I'll give you a quote. This is what somebody said. Somebody said, for a woman to come forward in the glaring lights of focus nationally, you've got to start off with the presumption that at least the essence of what she's talking about is real. And, of course, the person who said that was Joe Biden. Biden said that about the Kavanaugh hearings only, what, a year ago um, in reference to Ford's allegations against Kavanaugh. That's his standard. That's the standard that he set. And he, he's, there's, there's plenty of other stuff uh, in, in this vein. Here he is. I'll, I'll play a quick clip for you. Here he is on the Today Show talking about the Kavanaugh uh, allegations and relating it back to Anita Hill as well. Listen to what he says here. The woman should be given the benefit of the doubt and not be, not be uh, um, you know, uh, abused again by the system. My biggest regret was I didn't know how I could shut you off if you were a senator and you were attacking Eden Hill's character. Under the Senate rules, I can't gavel you down and say you can't ask that question, although I tried. And so what happened was she got victimized again during, during the process. And uh, um, I believed her when she came forward. I encouraged her to come forward. We were in a position where we got the FBI to do an investigation. Um, and I voted against Clarence Thomas. He only got seven votes. He got seven yes and seven no's. It was a tie vote in the committee. But I hope that they understand what courage it takes 
for someone to come forward and relive what they, they believe happened to them. The woman should be given the benefit of the doubt, not be abused again, victimized again. I believed her. These are all the things that he's saying. Now, we'll, we'll talk more about this in just a second, but before we do, uh, I want to tell you about a new sponsor on the show that, I'm, that I am especially very excited about, um, and that is Beard Supply. Okay, now if you're sitting at home and you're, you're trying to grow the, the quarantine beard, as I know a lot of people are, uh, I, what I cannot stress enough is the importance of beard hygiene. You got to keep everything. And I, I know we can all let our hygiene slip. We can all let our appearance slip in these times. But you have to have respect for your beard as a man. And so you still should practice good beard hygiene and, uh, and keep everything in top shape. And that's what you need beer supply for. Beards can get dry. They can get itchy. Uh, they can, I hate to say this, it sounds heretical, but they can even look bad sometimes. They can look bad if you don't take care of them. Now, I'm, uh, I'm speaking from experience because I've had, you know, I, when I first tried to, tried to grow a beard, it, it, looked, I just, it looked like Tom Hanks and Castaway. It was not very good. Beard supply, though, helps keep, keep your beard healthy, itch-free, soft, and also smelling great. And it's right on your face, so you want it to smell good, too. That's the other part of beards. And uh, more than 10,000 beards agree. Beard supply products are the best out there. 10,000 beards can't be wrong. One beard cannot be wrong. I believe beards. Just listen to what some of these beards are saying. Jacob's beard says, uh, Chuck Norris added me to his list of worthy opponents after I used beard supply. So that's a pretty good, that's a, that's a good uh, endorsement there. Paul's beard says, this is simply the best beard oil I have ever tried. Each beard supply beard oil is handcrafted from 100% natural ingredients with no synthetics, no mass market essentials, uh, nothing like that. This stuff is basically just squeezed right out of the earth directly onto your beard, which is the way it should be. Plus, they come in tons of great smells like uh, the woods or winter, which has a year, or the year 1975 also has a smell. So you could join Jacob, Paul, and thousands of other bearded guys who are enjoying softer, better smelling, better smelling, less itchy beards. For a short time, Beard Supply is offering Matt Walsh Show listeners 25% off. Just go to beardsupply.com. Use promo code Walsh. Again, that's beardsupply.com. Beardsupply.com. Promo code Walsh. Okay, so we just played for you what uh, Joe Biden has said in reference to allegations against men by women accusing them of sexual assault. Um, now, according to Joe Biden, at least on the two occasions when there was a conservative justice, he wanted to keep off the court. In those cases, we should give accusers the benefit of the doubt. We should presume that what they're saying is true in essence and not abuse them again, which of course insinuates that they were abused the first time by asking too many questions or, or whatever else. That's Biden's standards, his rule. Should we apply this standard then to Joe Biden? Should we apply the Biden standard to Biden? I say yes, we should. It's only out of a, it's only, I think it's a, it's a matter of respect for him that we do that. He's told us how he wants us to handle these situations. And uh, he wants a presumption of guilt for the man who is accused. He told us that. So I think all we can do here is respect his wishes. This is what he wants. Not what I want. It's what he wants. Isn't that the fair thing to say, well, okay, Joe, this is what you want. This is, this, you told us to handle these situations this way, and so that's what we're going to do. Are we going to disrespect Joe Biden by giving him the presumption, presumption of innocence when he's been very clear and very consistent 
that he doesn't think that should be applied to the man? Why should we? So I'll say right now, you know, I believe her. I believe this woman. I believe Tara Reid. Believe all women, right? I, I believe her. That's not my philosophy. But I think, you know, I'm going to let you have your philosophy. No double standards. You get one standard. One standard. I think everybody should get one standard when it comes to these things. That's all you get. You don't get two. And if you've said, if you've made it clear that the standard should be believe all women, then guess what? That's what you get. If you like your standard, you can keep your standard. How about that? Um, and I think we have to hold these hypocrites to their own standards because they're not going to do it. They don't have that kind of integrity. What's the other option? We're just going to allow them to pick up a different standard depending on the situation? By the way, speaking of lacking integrity and double standards, uh, Reed went to the Me Too movement with this story, and they had no interest in it. Here's what the Federalist reports, reading now from a Federalist article uh, based, based on the Intercept's reporting, says the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund, a fund administered by the National Women's Law Center, declined the chance to defend one of former Vice President Joe Biden's sexual harassment accusers, citing its nonprofit status and his presidential run. On Tuesday, The Intercept's Ryan Grimm reported that Tara Reid, one of several women to come forward with credible allegations of harassment against Biden last spring, not just harassment, but assault, uh, was turned away from the preeminent Me Too legal institution when she sought help with her case. Time's Up argued that the case was too political, considering that Biden was a candidate for president. The article goes on from there. So the Me Too movement, which has told us to believe all women, all of a sudden isn't so interested in that anymore, are they? And the mainstream media, do you you understand the mainstream media has given this story, many mainstream outlets have given this story zero coverage, no coverage at all, haven't even mentioned it. Now, usually with stuff like this, what they'll do is they'll they'll mention it so they can say they did, but they'll bury it. So they'll, they'll at least give it a mention most of the time. With this, so far, a lot of these outlets have said nothing about it. Nothing. Let's just pretend it doesn't exist. So what do we do? Do we go along with it? Do we let these people dictate which accusations should be believed without question and which will be ignored as if they never were made to begin with? No. Hell no. You know, I, I look at it like this. When you hear about a, a, one of these family values conservative Republicans who gets caught in a gay affair or something. Now, this doesn't happen nearly as often as the left would like us to believe. It doesn't, ha- doesn't happen nearly as often as, as Hollywood betray, uh, portrays it. We know that in, you know, it's like every other Hollywood script has a, has a closeted gay Republican in it. So it doesn't happen all that often, but it does happen. It has happened a few times at least. And now someone like that gets caught in a situation like that. Um, they, ends up, they end up getting judged a lot more harshly, and they're going to suffer a political consequence far greater than what maybe another politician would suffer in the same sort of situation. Why? Because they're having their own standard applied to them. Their own rhetoric, their own statements are being tossed back in their direction. And that is fair. That seems fair to me that it would work that way. It seems fair that, you know, if you're, if you're a, even if you're a left winger and you see, you, ha, you, you, and you personally have no problem with homosexual activity or even marital affairs, you can still call for harsh political consequences for a conservative family values Republican caught up in that kind of situation on the basis that their own standards should be applied to them. 
in the name of justice, in the name of fairness, in the name of consistency. And I agree with that. Well, same thing here. Same thing here. Jesus said, live by the sword, die by the sword. That wasn't a prescription. Jesus wasn't saying that people who live by the sword should die by the sword. He was just saying that that's what happens if you live by the sword. Such is life. And in the same way, if you live by believe all women, then you die by it. At least politically, you die by it. Fair is fair. I think uh, one other point I want to make about this before we move on. If a man says, believe all women, right? And that's what Joe Biden has said. Now, maybe he hasn't used those words exactly, but that's what he said. He said, if a woman makes an accusation, we should presume that at least the essence of what they're saying is true, which means it's true. If the essence is, so what what that means is, well, maybe a few of the details are wrong because she forgot, it's been so many years, but uh, the essence is true. So if, if, you know, translated, According to Biden, if a woman says she was assaulted, we should believe that she was assaulted, period. That's what he said. Believe all women, right? So now a man who takes that approach and says, believe all women, there are two possible ways of interpreting it. Because obviously we know as a principle, it's nonsense. It's insane. It's madness. Believe all women. Of course, of course, we shouldn't really believe all women any more than we should believe all men. Women can lie. Just like men can lie. But a man who says, believe all women. I think there are two ways of interpreting that. There there are two things that might lead a man to say that. One is that he's a liar. He's a con artist. And he's saying something that, in this case, is just for political gain. And he's just pretending to hold this view for political gain. He's a liar, a con man, a charlatan. Okay? Maybe that's it. The other is that he has made this judgment earnestly. Because he really believes that most men are degenerates and rapists. So it's probably true when they're accused. And when they're accused, the accusations are probably true. But on, on what could he base that judgment? Well, it seems, it seems likely that he's probably basing it on himself. He knows that about himself. And he's assuming that it's true of others. So this is projection. So either way. Whatever leads a man to say, believe all women, it does in fact mean as a matter of logic, not just fairness, but I think as a matter of logic, that when he is accused, we have good reason to disbelieve the denials that he issues. Because by saying, believe all women in the past, it means either he's a liar, in which case we can't, we can't believe him in his denials, or he's projected his own behavior onto other men. Uh, because he himself is probably a degenerate, in which case we can't trust his denials either. So I, I think either way, a man who goes around saying that and then is accused, there's actually good logical reason to think that he probably did it. And even if there isn't, as I said, one standard for everybody, this nonsense of pretending to hold a certain viewpoint and you throw that to the side Whenever it's politically expedient, no. No, 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 no. This is what you said. That's the way the game is going to be played. Um, But of course, fortunately for Joe Biden, because the media isn't covering this, he doesn't have to even address it. I'm not sure if he's even issued a denial yet. Not because he's not going to deny it, but just because he doesn't have to. Nobody's asked him about it. 
Now, we're going to go to uh, uh, headlines here in just a second. Before we do, I want to tell you about another great sponsor on the show, Rad Power Bikes. Um, I think, especially these days, once again, you know, it's, it's, we're all looking for ways to, to kill some time and have some fun. And maybe you can't go to places where you're indoors around a lot of people anymore. So you're looking for things that you can do outside, um, things that, you know, fun things that you can do that, that uh, are you know, not the normal things of going in and, and being around other people. And that's where Rad Power Bikes comes in. It's a cross between a traditional bike and a moped, but it doesn't require a special driver's license like a moped would. You can go up to 20 miles per hour without pedaling. So you can uh, get out and, and about without, without getting all sweaty and everything. It's affordable. Um, you know, this is a bike start at $1,200 and all of them are under $1,500. So I think that's something to really emphasize here. And any of the bikes you look at, Rad Power Bikes can be under $1,500. Other e-bikes can be in the $3,000 range or more. So you don't have to worry about that here. It's great for commuting. You can get out on the trail. You can haul groceries. Uh, you can transport your kids on the back, whether, whether for practical purposes or just for fun. And to show appreciation for those that serve us, Rad Power Bikes is offering $100 off all e-bike purchases for active slash ex-military, first responders, teachers, and students. It's a great thing uh, to do anytime, especially now. Dedicated U.S.-based customer support seven days a week to answer any questions or concerns that you might have. I cannot recommend this enough. If you're looking for, for something just fun to do, we need to have some fun. Well, how about Rad Power Bikes? Rad Power Bikes offers flexible financing for as low as 0% APR. And right now, as a limited time offer, you can get a free accessory with the purchase of a bike. That's right. Get a free gift up to $100 in value and free shipping to the lower 48 states. To get this special offer, text the word BIKE to 64000. That's BIKE to 64000. Text BIKE to 64000. All right, let's go to headlines. Number one, the media is reporting... Celebrating, really, that the U.S. Uh, now supposedly has more coronavirus cases than any, any other country in the world. Leftists on social media have been ecstatic about this. Jim Acosta, especially, could hardly hide the gloating tone in his tweets about it. But notice something. See all these headlines, most cases, most cases in the world. Well, they all actually say confirmed cases or known cases or reported cases. So we have the most of that. We don't have the most cases. We have the most confirmed, known, reported cases. So what does that tell you? Well, it tells you essentially nothing about how many cases we actually have in comparison to other countries. It tells you nothing about that. All it tells you is that we've done the most tests, which we have. What a coincidence. The country that does the most tests has the most cases. Interesting how that works. Uh, Acosta also tweeted triumphantly, the U.S. has just passed China, a country four times larger in population, in coronavirus cases. Yeah, but the thing is, Jimbo, in order for that to be true, it needs to also be true that China and the U.S. have at least tested the same number of people, which they haven't, and we need to be able to trust China's self-reported data, which we can't. If you listen to China, they haven't had a new case in days. You know, they went from epidemic to now they have just, it's, it's all, it's gone. It's been cured. They've discovered the cure. It's a miracle. Do you believe that? Does anyone really believe that? No, but the media is pretending to believe and is in fact disseminating Chinese propaganda 
in order to get Trump. It is uh, traitorous, really. Number two, and this is becoming a daily occurrence, a rather delightful daily occurrence. Dr. Uh, Burks, during a White House press briefing, once again smacked down the press for their coronavirus sensationalism. Uh, this woman is fantastic. I, I, I can't get enough of it. I think it's great. Uh, watch the latest here. We were reassured and meeting with our colleagues in New York that there are still ICU beds remaining, and there's still significant over 1,000 or 2,000 ventilators that have not been utilized yet. Please, for the reassurance of people around the world, to wake up this morning and look at people talking about creating DNR situations. Do not resuscitate situations for patients. There is no situation in the United States right now that warrants that kind of discussion. You can be thinking about it in a hospital, certainly many hospitals talk about this on a daily basis, but to say that to the American people, to make the implication that when they need a hospital bed, it's not gonna be there, or when they need that ventilator, it's not gonna be there. We don't have an evidence of that right now. And it's our job collectively to assure the American people that it's our collective job to make sure that doesn't happen. There's no model right now, I mean, no reality on the ground where we can see that 60 to 70 percent of Americans are going to get infected in the next eight to 12 weeks. I just want to be clear about that. Okay, I want you to keep that in mind as we go to number three. This headline in Yahoo and in many other outlets as well uh, had it yesterday blaring all over the place. Headline is, U.S. virus deaths may top 80,000 despite confinement. 80,000 despite the fact that everyone's locked down. Uh, The article continues, COVID-19 could lead to more than 80,000 deaths in the U.S. and overwhelm hospital capacity nationally as soon as early April. As soon as early April, which is in like, what, three days? Um, New research showed on Thursday, the U.S. death toll for the pandemic has already soared past 1,000 with 68,000 confirmed uh, infections. Forecasters at the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington School of Medicine analyzed the, the latest COVID-19 data at a local, national, international level. These include hospitalization and mortality rates, as well as patient data, a date in terms of age, uh, gender, and pre-existing health conditions. Specifically, they looked at the time lag between the first fatal cases and public uh, intervention, such as shuttering schools and businesses, And they put all this together and they decided that 80,000 people are going to die. There are 1,300 deaths right now, or thereabouts, here in the U.S. This study says it's going to shoot up to 80,000 in a few days, really. Uh, Now, there are a lot of studies and a lot of models at this point, a lot of projections, a lot of predictions by various different experts, and they all say drastically different things. The question is, why is the media blaring this one all over the place? as opposed to any of the others? Well, we know the answer to that, of course. It's because it's the scariest. Um, It's significantly less scary than what they were predicting two weeks ago when they said that, you know, two or three million or four million people are going to die. Now it's 80,000, but they're always going to go with the scariest and put that in the headlines. That's how this works. That's what we've learned, if we didn't know it already. Finally, some crucially important reporting from CNN Uh, Well, this is number four. I guess I don't have five. I can't count. Okay, we'll end on four. Five headlines is four today. Uh, So CNN published a a report, or broadcast report, actually, that is really important. I think it's life-saving, and I think we all will learn a lot from this. 
All right, I'm gonna show you how to wash your hands. Most people know how to do this, but always worth remembering. Just gonna wet my hands here, get plenty of soap, and just start rubbing your hands. Now make sure you really interlace your fingers like this, and then also turn your hands over. Don't forget the backs of your hands. People often forget that. Both sides, get it really well. And then I'll actually get underneath the fingertips here and even the nails a little bit to make sure you clean underneath there. And then you gotta get the thumbs. Thumbs are really important. Sing the happy birthday song twice to yourself and that usually will do it. And then I just sort of get the soap off my hands here and there. And then here's the key. Before you turn the water off, dry your hands, then use the same paper towel, turn off the water, you don't contaminate yourself. Oh, so that's how you do it. See, I had no idea. That's I, I, I had thought, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I thought that the way you wash your hands is you stand on your, you stand on your head and yodel. That's the hand washing maneuver I had been using. I didn't realize that apparently you're supposed to use, what was it? Uh, what do you say? It was a sop, sap. What was that thing? Soap. Soap. We're supposed to use soap. And you, you put your hands under, uh, what was it? I got to go back and look at it again. I didn't take notes. Water. Soap and water is what you use. That's incredible. Thank you so much, CNN. See, I'm glad that CNN is doing reports like this, telling us how to wash our hands, rather than doing something like, I don't know, investigating and reporting the sexual assault allegations against the Democratic frontrunner for the nomination for president. Uh, you know, I, no, we don't want to do that. That's, that's not newsworthy. Instead, let's bring a doctor in here to show us how to wash our hands. Not patronizing at all, either, uh, in, the, in the least. So thank you so much for that, CNN. Now, we're going to go on to your daily cancellation, and it is uh, quite a doozy this time. But before we do, if you haven't had a chance to check out yet the All Access Live show, then I would really recommend doing that. Um, and in fact, 8 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can watch again. The thing about the All Access Live, it's very relaxed programming, uh, more of a casual kind of vibe, a conversation. So usually we put, I mean, you look at this set here, millions and millions of dollars dumped into making this set look as magnificent as it does. But uh, that's the, the All Access Live isn't about that. It's just about the casual, at the end of a long day, in the middle of a very long, what feels like an eternity of the last few weeks, it's a good time to just uh, kind of sit there and and have a conversation. The show is originally intended for all access members, but it's uh, during this national emergency, we've expanded it, extended it to all of our members. And uh, in doing so, we've accelerated the launch as well. So please join us uh, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for another all access show. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I think you'll enjoy it. Now for your daily cancellation. Today, we're canceling the Derbyshire Police. Police Department in the UK, obviously. What they've been doing is they've been using drones to enforce their stay-at-home order. And uh, anyone, so that means anyone who's caught outside walking around is recorded by the drone, and then they're shamed on social media for being outside. Already, we've got enough to cancel them. We don't have to go any further. Already, we know, canceled, right? But you have to actually watch. You have to see this video to, to appreciate just how ridiculous this is. Um, let me, uh, I'll, I'll play it for you and I'll, I'll follow along as we watch this video that the Derbyshire police at Derby's police on Twitter, they posted this to Twitter and, uh, let's check out the video. So it's a, this is Kerbar edge. It says, now you see out there, 
in the middle of a, in the middle of nowhere. These vehicles should not be here. Okay, they're out in the middle of nowhere, in a, in a, on, a on a field, in a park, and now we see walking your dog in the Peak District, not essential, not essential. It, humans, life forms, you are participating in not essential activity. Go back to your homes. Going for a walk miles from home, not essential. Your activity has been judged not essential. Return to your domiciles, humans. Going out of your way for an Instagram snap, not essential. Not essential activity. Return to your domiciles. Uh, and now this one, driving to a beauty spot for a stroll, not essential. Can't do that either. You're going to get people sick. I don't know how you're going to get people sick, but you will. Heading to, heading to the peaks to watch the sunset. Not essential. Let's pause it here for just a minute. Uh, they're going to the peaks to watch the sunset. You, you can't watch a sunset during a pandemic. You just can't do it. Why can't you do it? I have no idea. It's dangerous during a pandemic to watch a sunset. Why is it dangerous? Don't know. But the drone said it is. So you, you can't watch a sunset. Uh, let's see the rest of this here. The government advice is clear. You should only travel if it is essential. Traveling to remote areas of the Peak District for your exercise is not essential. We are all in this together. And then they end with the, please help us, uh, please help us stay home, save lives. I like how they end it with the little positive, the Orwellian positivity there at the end. We're all in this together. Stay home and save lives. Let me ask you, people that are walking by themselves down a country road in a field, not another human within sight, right? Literally not another human within sight. How, what are they, how are they putting lives in jeopardy? How are they at risk of infecting anybody else? There's nobody around them. They're in the wilderness. Are they at risk of getting infected? Now, again, if this was the zombie apocalypse, and I know the media really wishes it was a zombie apocalypse, and it seems like some law enforcement agencies kind of wish it was a zombie apocalypse, I sort of wish it was a zombie apocalypse too, because frankly, this apocalypse has been uh, not as active as I thought. You know, the, the apocalypse has, has, has involved a lot more sitting around than I imagined that it would. So look, we would all prefer zombies. But there are no zombies. And so if you're walking down the, the countryside, there really isn't any danger of something jumping out from behind a tree or from behind a bush and infecting you. That's not how viruses are transmitted. My question to, to the Derbyshire police, how do you think, what is your theory of transmission for this disease? How do you think it's transmitted? Do you think that somebody sitting in their homes 50 miles away who's infected with the, with the coronavirus do you think the virus is going to jump out of their mouths and like crawl speedily across the carpet, open the door, go outside, maybe hop on a hop on a bus, go to a bus station, get out, uh, travel across a field 14 miles, and then hide behind a curb, a curve, and as soon as a person comes walking around there, jump out, right? Like attack their face, crawl into their nose. Is that how you think it works? Now. If the government has information, 
indicating that the guy that the virus does spread that way, then please let us know. Because if that's the case, I will definitely be staying inside my house and not leaving for any reason whatsoever. But I'm pretty sure that this virus is spread uh, mainly by like if somebody you know if you touch something that someone left their bodily fluids on and then you put your hands in your mouth, spread that way. If they cough, like right in your face, spread that way. Not essential. Yeah, you're right. These are not essential activities. But you know what? This is what makes us human. The fact that we participate in non-essential activities, that's what makes us human. Yeah, a squirrel or a deer or a porcupine isn't going to stop to watch a sunset. Humans do. It's what makes us human. And so you can't tell us that during a pandemic we have to uh, cease participating in all human activity and pretend to be bears hibernating under a, under a, in a cave somewhere. There is, there's just no reason whatsoever why people can't go out for a walk on the, in the countryside. It, it, just no reason. There's no reason for that. This is a power trip by the government. That's what it is. Um, and the problem is, if we start to see that the government is having a power trip, not just the Derbyshire police, but we, we talked yesterday about uh, Chicago. The Chicago mayor is saying, hey, if you want to go outside your house, you go out briefly, you go back in. Being out, outside is not for 5Ks. She, I think that was her exact phrase. She's now telling us what the outside is for. If you're in Chicago, the mayor has decided what outside exists for. The entire outside. She'll tell you what it's for, okay? This is her outside, not yours. These are the things you're allowed to do outside. Anything less than that, get back inside, you peasant. But, but when we start to see these, these naked power trips, not literally naked, hopefully, but when we start to see these power trips, then we start thinking, okay, well, they're obviously power tripping over here with this. What else of this is a power trip? Let's go to emails. Uh, you can become a Daily Wire member and send emails to the mailbag. From Ben, that says, Hello, Matt. Since on quarantine, I thought it would be a good idea to begin to grow some facial hair. So far, I've gone a week without shaving. I have a few questions. Will the constant annoying itching uh, disappear as my facial hair grows longer? Or should I be using a beard product of sorts to reduce this sensation? How long should I wait until I cut my losses and accept that my facial hair won't look very good? How will I know if I should go with the f- style of full facial hair or just a partial? Any other beginner tips would be appreciated too. Thank you for your time and I uh, hope you and the family are staying healthy. Ben, first of all, stop whining about the itching. You are unworthy of your beard when you're sitting there whining and bitching about the itching. It should be forcibly removed from your face. You should be grateful that you're growing a beard. You should be ecstatic that you are joining now the ranks of bearded men. That is, you're joining the ranks of real men. You are now a man or becoming one for the first time in your life. Gratitude and humility are the two attitudes that you should be bringing to this endeavor. Not one of complaint and entitlement. That is for the the baby-faced freaks, okay? And that is the group that you are leaving, and rightfully so. Don't be like them. Second, yes, you should be using product. Uh, you can get beard oil, beard balm, beard wax, beard conditioner. Well, we just talked about beard supply. Okay, beard supply, great, great place, place to look. Um, I tend to use many products for my beard, and uh, not right now because I have a very short beard, the beard of a child at the moment, uh, to, much to my shame. But 
when I have a real, real beard, I, I, my beard prepping routine usually takes about seven to eight hours. Um, so the day's basically over by the time I'm done preparing my beard. And, uh, and really, it's kind of destroyed my life because all I ever do is prepare my beard. And it's become a whole thing. But don't focus on that. The main thing is you want to make sure that your beard is pro- properly prepped. When should you cut your losses and accept that your facial hair won't look good? Well, uh, I just want to be clear about this. If your beard doesn't look good, it's not your beard's fault. It is your fault. It is your face's fault. Okay, so don't blame it on the beard. Don't take it out on the beard. As a man, the primary responsibility of your face is to serve as a platform for your beard. So if you're looking at your beard and thinking, this looks weird, no, it's your face that's weird. Okay, your face is failing in its responsibility. Your face is a disgrace. So that's all I would say about that. If you're thinking my beard looks weird, just consider the possibility that you are a hideous person, and that's why. Take it from me, okay? So I I know that about myself. It's not my, anytime I have a problem with the beard, it's not the beard, it's not this part down here, it's all up here, okay? This is all a mess and out of place. This is the good part of my face. This is the only good part of my face. This up here is, you know, Makes me want to become a Muslim woman. I could wear like a burqa or something to hide it. But but that's that's the point is that is not. Don't take it out on your beard. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Um, okay, let's go to Adam. Says Matt, you're wrong about the stimulus checks. You say we might as well burn the money because it's not going to pay everyone's bills. That's obviously stupid, and it sounds like you're just you just like to complain. Uh, how about be happy that they're trying to do something at least. It may not be great, but it's something. Why not? Uh, try some gratitude for a change. Your negativity is exhausting. Right. Okay, Adam, a few problems here. First of all, my point about the stimulus checks is that we're sending checks to a lot of people who don't need it. There are going to be a lot of people who, who still have an income and we're sending them however many millions or billions of dollars are being spent on people like this. Have an income, they're working from home uh, or you know maybe they work at a place that hasn't closed down and they're, they're, they're still in the exact same spot they were now that they, that they were before all this started. What are we setting them money for? I, I don't think we could just say, ah, you know, yeah, a couple billion bucks we wasted on them. Said, no big deal. What's, what's a few billion between friends? No, what, what are we setting them money for? And then there are many people who don't have an income and won't get a check because they made too much money two years ago. Too much according to the government's arbitrary cutoff line. And then there are a lot of other people who do need it and will get it. Um, and but how many of them will actually be able to live on twelve hundred bucks for the duration of the lockdown? A few, maybe. What percentage? The rest are still going to have to find some other income stream, or they're going to be out on the street, not able to afford food. It's like either way, right? The stimulus money, in and of itself, for those people doesn't do a whole lot. If you have no income stream right now, and because the government's taken it from you and your mortgage is $2,000, you can't just send in $1,200. Most landlords, if you owe, if you owe $1,500 in rent, and you, you, with most landlords anyway, you can't just give them $1,200 and say, let's just call it $12. we will call it even. What do you say? What do you say? They're going to say, no, I need the full amount. And so you know, having part of your rent effectively ends up, it's not much better than having none. Now, look, if it were free, if we had a magical money tree and there were no cost to this, 
then sure, I'd say, who cares? Whatever. You know, $1,200 is better than nothing. Just send it. But it's not free. This costs trillions of dollars. It's going to be $6 trillion all in. $6 trillion. Debt that will be on the shoulders of our children to deal with. So, um, call me crazy, Adam, but I'd prefer if it actually made a positive impact, a substantial, noticeable, positive impact, an impact that is worth the enormous, astronomical, inconceivable cost attached to it. And I haven't even gotten into all the left-wing pork. I haven't gotten into uh, you know how, how the, the bill, in some ways, incentivizes companies to lay off employees. I mean, there, there are so many problems with this bill. I haven't even gotten into that. Now, as to this idea that I should be positive and cheerful and happy, at least they did something. I find that idea nauseating, frankly. When you say they, oh, they, they did something. Who are they? Are we talking about children? I mean, yeah, they're emotional and mental children that we have in Congress, but actual children? No. Are these, are these my kids who drew me a picture and I should be happy with it, even if it kind of sucks? I should say, oh, well, th- oh, this is beautiful. Thank you so much. It's so great. What a great picture. Pat them on the head. No. These are lawmakers. These are people in power. These are people who hold the purse strings, that have the money, your money, my money. Okay. We shouldn't smile and nod and say, oh, at least you tried. At least you tried. You did something. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, this bill is an absolute garbage heap. It costs $6 trillion, putting us even deeper in debt, debt that's going to be on our children. But thank thank you so much. Thank you for trying. You tried. Thank you so much, lawmakers. Bullcrap. You think they have that attitude towards you? When the government comes around come tax day and says you owe X amount, you know, can you just send the IRS like a couple of paper clips and a, and a pack of fruit snacks and say, hey, you know, this is, this is what I tried. I'm trying. I tried to give you something. It's something better than nothing. I gave you something. No, they're going to say, no, 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 not something. This is how much you owe. Give us that full amount. Okay. Or you can work out a payment plan, but give us the full amount or you're going to jail. How about that, bud? That's what the government says to you. The government makes demands of you and says, do this, exactly this, or jail. And so you want to turn around and respond to them by saying, well, you know, you don't really have to even do anything. Just try. Just give, just give it a, just give a, a, you know, a plus effort. And that's all we need. You had fun, didn't you? As long as you have some fun while you do it. What a disgusting, gross attitude. It makes me sick to my stomach. I'm, I might vomit right here. When I hear this kind of attitude, you're not alone, Adam. There's so many Americans that operate this way. I think you've all been unconscious your whole lives. That you would, that you, that you think there are a lot of people with this bill who say that's eh, that's terrible. It's terrible, but it's something. They did something. What, how could you, if you've been paying even a moderate amount of attention, how could you still think that the government doing something is always better than it doing nothing at all? If, the some, if it's a choice between doing something counterproductive and destructive and that costs $6 trillion on top of it, and or doing nothing, if those are the two choices, nothing or counterproductive, destructive costs $6 trillion, nothing is definitely so much better in that case. This attitude of as long as they're doing something, no, no. Again, have you been paying attention at all? all your whole life. 
What, so what do you think? What I'm saying about the people in power, lawmakers, I, I don't want them to do something, okay? I want them to do the right thing. That's what I pay them for. I want them to do their job, a good job. Imagine that. Perish the thought. You want me to lower the bar? Accept less? That's what you think the problem is? You think the problem is we hold our lawmakers to too high a standard? You want to have a cheerful optimism while they just march us right off a cliff? Whistling Dixie the whole way, you know, because, because you're, you're, you're at least you're, you're, let's be positive. Let's keep an upbeat attitude. Let's have an upbeat attitude while the government takes us right off a cliff. Don't be a negative Nancy about it. Yeah, I am kind of negative. I am kind of negative about our, our collection of narcissists and, and cowards and conmen that we have in Washington. But yeah, you're right. You're right. I guess I should just, uh, I guess I should just learn to, you know, to like it. Learn to like it. Good point, Adam. Thanks so much for the email. Really, really great stuff. Very insightful too. And I thank you for that. Thanks everybody for watching. Hope you have a great weekend. Hope you also maybe can take a break from uh, watching the news and and being online and everything. And and I I think for all of our mental health, I'm going to try the same. And uh, it might might help us in a lot of ways during this time. Um, Have a great weekend. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, supervising producer Robert Sterling, technical producer Austin Stevens, Editor, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. While tackling your New Year's goals, don't forget about your daily dose of fruits and vegetables, which just got easier to remember thanks to Balance of Nature. Their fruit and veggie capsules offer a convenient way to consume those essential nutritional ingredients daily. So improve your diet and feel your best this year. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code WIRE for 35% off, plus a free fiber and spice in your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com promo code WIRE.